This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. No days off. No days off. No days off. No days off. This is the Off Day Podcast. Give me a chest ball. <laughs> with Andy Hart. All right, good to be with you. All right. This yeah, microphone week. put up a little less fight than the one last night. <laughs> and Ryan Hannibal. What's your name again? <laughs> Hannibal. Hannibal. Mr.Commer on WEEI.com. Heading into week two of the preseason in the Philadelphia Eagles. The uh, Patriots just wrapped up joint practices with those Eagles. And then we got the game uh, Thursday night. We got a lot of stuff to get to. Some just rapid fire stuff with the team. I guess we'll start uh, with the, my column. I wrote a Mini calm today, pretty innocuous that I thought. Um, I don't know. Did you think it was a hot take or something, Andy? No, I think it's the same take uh, most of us have had for about two years now and had during the spring. We talked, we previewed this at some point, like receiver's going to be a need. You don't have receiver. You don't have the, how many times did we say, looks like you have a bunch of twos and threes. You don't have a one, the blah, blah, blah. Like the various ways we talked about it. We've talked about it endlessly for about 18 months. I got criticized in the, I, I said I went as far as saying threes and fours. I don't even have twos. I don't. I don't think. I don't think Nelson Aguilar is a two, and I don't think Charlie Myers is a two. I mean, it's a. They could be. It's a stretch, but I think they're like what they should be is a solid number three. I think if you put them up to a two on a bad team, sure, but on a good team, they're a solid three. And I, I don't know. I'm just. Point, I'm just pointing out facts. But people come at me, you know, like it's some hot take and some grand thing. Like no, their their receivers aren't good. And if you go into the regular season with Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aguilar, and Jacoby Myers, your top three wide receivers, that's probably one of the bottom three. I mean, you're in the bottom of the league in terms of top three wide receivers. Yeah. I don't think there's any doubt about that. We've done that comparison over the, you know, the lions are another one that have a bad group and very, but I think the thing that magnified it, well, two things, <laughs> you have a certain portion of Twitter that doesn't like you and is going to give you crap no matter what. You could write Bill Belichick's the greatest coach of all time, the Patriots are the best franchise of all time, and they would find some fault in it. So forget those people, F those people. Uh, but more importantly, I think the receivers were magnified because of the lack of depth and the issues going on at tight end. 
mm-hmm. that you had no tight ends out there. So it's automatic. You turn to the receivers and there aren't any. And even people that have been promoting, like I, I joked with you before we came on, I saw a tweet about Nelson Aguilar ran a great route and then dropped the ball. Well, uh, that's great. I mean, who gives a rat's ass? Like if he ran a great route or not, he, if he can't catch consistently, that's a big part of the job, right? That's how, it, like, that's, I don't even that's know. That's like, job. Right. And I said it to you maybe early in camp, maybe the end of mini camp. Like I can, he's going to be maddening. Like you can see the speed. You can see occasionally like these, this impressive first round type talent. And then you can see why he's never been consistent. Why he had, he's one, he had one good year and great for him. Like he did it in a good year. Like it was his contract year. Like he good for him, but it's one good year. And, I, and good. I'm glad you said good. Cause a lot of people would say great. Like I heard people say he had a great, he had a great yards per catch average, but he didn't have a great year. He no. had a good year and it just worked out and give him credit for that. He cashed in and the Patriots paid the man for whatever. And he's very much opposite. I would say this is a side note. He's opposite what they did with the tight ends. The tight ends. I think they paid for what they hope they can be or will mm-hmm. be Nelson Aguilar. I think they pay overpaid for what one good year. Like they missed the really, market. We said this at the time, like they, right. they overpaid for him and they overpaid for Kendrick Bourne. Like, and those are your And, and, and you're still right back where you started. Your best receiver is Jacoby Myers. Yes. Like nothing's changed there. Now you can debate where he fits, how good he is. Remember last year, he was like a top 25 receiver or he was this and everybody loves him, blah, blah. Okay. I don't care. I don't really, that that's sort of irrelevant to me. He's your best receiver. I trust him. I trust him to boringly get open, catch five balls for 55 yards or whatever he's going to do. Like I, I, I have no doubt. I have no doubt about that. Like he's capable of that. But, I think we both come from the same but with Jacoby Myers, we like him. He's a good player. He's a yes. consistent player. He does what he's asked to do, but he's not a number one wide receiver. I'm, I'm sorry to, for what the stat said from whatever, from week eight on last year, he had the most yards per catch in the NFL. Like, no, whatever. He, he, he had to play. He had to get targets because the Patriots wide receivers were probably worse last year than they are this year. But that's, that's a whole other subject. Right. Um, so, I mean, I guess that gets you to A, Acknowledging the problem is fine, but are you really going to be able to change it at any point? Are you looking waiver wire, I guess? I mean, is a possibility. Uh, maybe you can get a receiver back if they trade, you know, Stefan Gilmore, if they trade Chase Winovich, or one of these guys that could be trade bait here um, at the end of August, which I do want to get into that. I think both of those guys could be legitimate trade options. Mm-hmm. Um, but are those just for picks, or can you get a, but the one that even if you get a receiver back, you're not getting a number, a number one or number two. You're getting another team's like you're getting oh, another team's guy they want to get rid of. I guess you're just saying it's their fourth or fifth, but for us, he's maybe a two or a two. three. You're getting, you're probably getting a guy like Philip Dorsett, a guy that like had some talent and had potential, and another team wants to get rid of. Him. Like it's not. Okay. Which leads yeah. us into the guy who is the story, but not the story all in Nikhil Harry. There's such like the void left by Nikhil Harry is why we keep having this discussion. Mm-hmm. It's very simple that he wasn't a first round worthy pick for the yeah, last that, couple of years. That was one of the complaints. On, you can't get all these players because of the salary cap. Well, well yeah, you could. You had a, you've drafted a receiver in the first round and you're paying a rookie contract and he stinks. So he, he was supposed to be your number one. You drafted a receiver in the first round, the second receiver taken. 
So he should be a number one or a number two. Mm-hmm. And you spent $11.5 million a year on a receiver this offseason who should be a one or a two. The question is, can he be that? Now, we're, we're saying we don't believe he is that. Mm-hmm. There is the possibility that he gets to the regular season, it clicks, he, he is a, a one or a two. And, you know, especially if, again, the tight ends are on the field and the offense is going through Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry, and that opens things up for Nelson Aguilar. Maybe there's a possibility that could work, but right now I'm with you. Like the fact that people tried to talk them or, or are trying to talk themselves into Christian Wilkerson or Gunnar Olszewski or one of these guys that should really just be training camp fodder, but because of the lack of talent and depth, I think it legitimizes their their po- potential or their possibility of being on the roster. How many Christian a- Wilkerson stories have that, not just me, like the rest of the, the media have written on him this summer when he, he should, he does, he's not deserving of any attention, really. He's like, nope. he's a journeyman wide receiver who, who like was great. I'm not great. He was solid the first couple of weeks of training camp in the, the spring, but now he seems to have fallen back with a lot of drop passes. And even so we're starting to see the real Christian Wilkerson. Right. And it's, we've had so many of these Maurice Harris or this year, Marvin Hall for a while, people were like, Oh, Marvin Hall could make the team. Marvin Hall can do that. Oh, this. that was just the Patriots unfiltered people. I don't think well, any, any, anybody else was. Okay. Well, somebody, and the reason we're doing this is because there's opportunity, there's openings, there isn't anybody there. So you talk yourself into, could this work? Could this guy have upside? Could this guy have potential? And they're just, it is what it is. They, now I will say, the the fact that you labeled it a problem, I guess that could be the the place where you nitpick a little bit. If they run the ball effectively, and if Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry catch, let's say 130 passes between them or 120 passes between them, James White's his usual self. Then do you only need a bunch of threes? Do you, is it okay if you get by with then 40 catches from from Myers and? 35 from Aguilar and 35 from, you know what I mean? Like, no, I get that. But I, as I wrote in the piece, what happens if the post defenses don't fear your wide receivers, you just double team the two tight ends, then what? It, it's a legitimate possibility. Or more importantly, what happens if the two tight ends aren't two tight ends? Cause they're not on the field. They're one tight end or no tight ends. And then we've, we're seeing right now, like, I guess right. we, let's get into that. Are you concerned? I know they're minor injuries, but it's, it's I'm not saying it's alarming, but it's, you have to take note of it. Like they're bad yes. and they've been on the field, on the field for three weeks. And for, for John o. Smith, this is twice in a short period of time. Cause he had the mini camp hamstring yep. and for Hunter Henry, this continues his career of minor injuries, missing some time being nicked up. And it, it's certainly less than ideal as he begins his time in New England. So yes, I think it's, when you're trying to build around something, and I do think they're trying to build around those guys, like that's the centerpiece of, of the course. offense. That's not even really up for debate. To not have them out there, and I, I, I know I use the example of myself all the time. Randy Moss was the centerpiece of 07, was missing for the entirety basically of the preseason, that whole thing. But he's also Randy Effing Moss, and he had a special. He's a special talent who had a special year. What a, a special quarterback! Correct. I don't know that you can pretend that Jonu Smith and whoever the quarterback is are going to be ready to just like hit the field running as a special season unfold. No, like it's not to me, that's not viable. It's not realistic. I think it's, I mean, now that we're just talking about it, like 
the starting quarterback is probably not going to be on the field with with Tunder Henry or John Smith in a game until week one. That's probably accurate. And that's – you can get away with it, but it's obviously not ideal. Well, I mean, again, they, they were uh, – Newton had that one completion to Smith in the little cup of coffee uh, in week one. But yes, you're, you're right. They are going to go an extended period here without getting any tangible, valuable reps with the guy who's supposed to be the focal point or the guys that are supposed to be the focal point of the offense. So, so you're telling me the offense isn't going to be very good. Nah, I don't want to go that far yet, but it's the, the passing game. It's for, if we had, if we felt decent about it early on in training camp, I think you feel less, you don't feel as good about it as you once did. And Aguilar's health is part of that too. His, yeah, he, he didn't play last week. Uh, missed, missed a lot of practice. He's an opener. Yeah, even forget about how good he is or how good you think he can be. He's been out of action. So that's another piece of the puzzle that isn't getting valuable reps with whoever the quarterback and is. Kendrick Bourne too. He continues to drop passes. He's not very good. I like The more I think about it, like, well, why did people get so excited about Kendrick Bourne? Because he's a nice guy. Um, I don't know. There are people from San Francisco that love him. When I, anytime I rip him on, on the radio or question him, not even rip him, question him, his hands, mm-hmm. there's like a boatload of texters that I don't know if it's PFF people or yeah. they, they, they do all these things about, Oh, what he did in San Francisco. And like, he's going to lead the league in something. I, I forget, but they, they get very defensive. My guess is I should probably follow up on it. Maybe next time I'm on, I'm going to rip him, see what the texts come in as, and then really dive into it it feels like it's something like some pff analytics number where he like had the most yards per route run per attempt and like now that's going to explode because he's in a bigger role something something vague like that but he stinks he can't catch the ball he's an nfl receiver but he's a four and here in new england people are trying to turn him into a two or three like and he i think there's replication with myers you have Mm-hmm. guy that I think is better, more consistent, more reliable in Myers. I don't know why you went and spent not a ton of money, but spent some money. He, you, you got acquired two receivers. This offseason. He's one. You, yeah, you I don't, I, I never understood that signing from the beginning. And then I talked to Giardi and he's like, yeah, he had some bad drops and key spots for the 49ers. And I know he makes excuses for Jimmy, but I don't think it was all Jimmy related. And well, so, we, we've seen in first hand, he drops a lot of passes. Yeah, and it's uh, and it also kind of this is a transition, but you know this gets into the secondary and looking good covering people in practice in New England. Well, yeah, they're covering people we don't think very much of, like J.C. Jackson. Great, he's having a great camp. Okay, well, he's not getting tested on a daily basis. And because- for all the reports in Philadelphia, it was the Patriots defensive backs, including Jackson, got beat a lot. Right, because they actually saw other receivers, and by the way. The Eagles are not a good team at that respect. They weren't exactly facing like the Kansas City Chiefs or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Right, which is a little bit alarming because that's where you need to build toward. As you mentioned, the Bucs, you got, what, a month and a half to build towards being able to defend the Bucs. The one thing I'll say about the joint practices and like them getting, you know, outplayed and beat, the Patriots were missing three of their arguably top 10 players, Gilmore, Smith, and Henry. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Like, but, like, I read there was some guy was on the Elliott Shore Parks, right, for our sister station in, in Philly. He said, whatever you, you have the Patriots wins as, 
divide that in half. They were, they're that bad. No, see, when, remember I said after the first week of camp, we did one of these podcasts, I said I was like a little more positive about the team than right. I had been going into camp. So I raised it from, I think, nine to ten wins. Mm. Okay, after I see the preseason opener, after I see these injuries, questions about depth, so maybe I drop it back to nine or, or maybe you say if you were at nine, maybe you go to eight. They're going to be a middle of the pack, 500 type team. Like mm-hmm. that's just who they are, especially with Bill, more overall talent, guys. Ba- like, yeah, I don't believe. So you're telling me people that because no one thought they were great. So no one had them at like 15, 14 wins. Right. So you're telling me most people had them in the nine to 11 win range, I would say. So you're telling me they're a four to five win team now. And you're basing it off of one practice where you're missing, like I said, three out of the top 10 players. Yeah. You can't make that type of analysis after one practice. I'm sorry. That sounds like a guy that's trying to like get noticed or I don't know who that is, but he sounds like he's trying to get some attention or say something bombastic. Is that it on uh, the, the, uh, the, the new Odyssey venture, the Patriots training camp live. Oh, we're still doing those. I didn't know we were still doing those. I didn't either, but I, I saw, I saw the tweet. Well, it's good information um, for him to spew, I guess. I just, I don't buy into it. The Patriots are a middling team, a 500, you know, that could probably go anywhere from seven to 11 wins, depending on how breaks go, injuries go, you know, Bill does it, injuries to other teams, momentum. Yeah, I would would say, I would go a little higher, seven to 12. If everything goes perfect, I think they can get to 12. Do I think that's going to happen? No, but I if everything goes absolutely perfectly, Mac Jones is the future franchise quarterback. Like everybody stays healthy. You get a, some easy wins here and there. You get some gifts. You can get to 12. I don't want to play the role of sometimes Lou Merloni, but also an argument that we used to have often on uh, PFW in progress and PU. But if everything goes perfectly, shouldn't they win 17 games? Yes. I guess. <laughs> so if, if most breaks go their way, you yes. think they're a 12 win team. I, I don't know. I have trouble seeing them win 12 games. I really do. I, I just. I'm not saying it's going to happen. That's like, their, that's their ceiling. And especially, okay, let's roll into, you mentioned it. So we talked about the tight ends. You said they were without three of their top 10 players. I agree. Mm-hmm. We talked about the tight ends. What about Gilmore? Like you mentioned him as well, like getting closer. So this week's over, right? He didn't practice. He's not going to play this week's over. So mm-hmm. we're already kind of into next week. Is he going to be around well i mean he's been working out on the lower field so he's conditioning like i don't even know could he even jump right in and and take part in practice i guess like chase winovich did it but your point your point's valid like we're now into the final preseason game so by all accounts it seems like he's not playing in a preseason so and like i know i think lombardi um sort of pose the idea how can i give the guy an extension if i don't see him on the field i need like i need well first of all you do see him on the field you have trainers down there you know how physically ready or not ready he is based on now i'm not saying he's covering somebody but you basically you have mris i'm guessing i'm guessing they've mri'd him either before camp during camp after you know like whatever so you know how healthy he is so that's disingenuous disingenuine to me to say something like that now, again, the Patriots haven't said that. That's Lombardi, but you never know what Lombardi's getting from who, when. And I guess when he was on the field in Philly. I was say, he was just on the field with the Patriots. So I think he made that comment before he was on the field with the Patriots in Philly. Um, I'm not totally sure on the timing of that. Um, but I just, we're coming down the road here towards 
it has to come to a head of some sort, doesn't it? Because I posed the idea again the other day, which is one I posed originally a while back when I thought this could be more contentious. And then everybody wrote their stories. No, it's amicable and it's not contentious and everybody loves everybody, blah, blah, blah. Is there any chance he just says, okay, I'll stay on PUP. I'll see you in week nine or 10. You're only paying me for a half a season. You want to pay me $7 million market value. That's a half a season. So I'll give you a half a season. I'll see you then. And I'll get my accrued year. I don't have any risk of injury and good luck in your first half of the season. And I'll join you for the stretch run and those important games in November. Right. Is that a possibility? I guess. Yeah. I mean, he's, sort of he's on PUP. The Patriots already. I don't know exactly like putting him on PUP means he can be on PUP to start the year means mm -hmm. he can sit out and you have to pay him. You've made it so he can sit out and get paid. He's not holding out. He's on PUP. He's not on NFI or something. Like I think they did that to buy themselves some time with the expectation that he would give in at some point, And I don't think he has yet. So I think two things are not being talked about enough. He could still be traded and he could just sit out the first half of the year on PUP. See, I can't see them trading him because I think that they've seen their depth at that position this summer and realize it, it's bad. Mm. Like, I it think is. if it got it to that, I mean, I agree got to that point, they, they would just give him what he wants and maybe overpay in their minds because their, their depth is terrible at that position. I would pay him. I've said it a million times. I even used the example. Just close your eyes, pretend he's not on your team, and your team is looking at and a guy on the open market for one year, would you give Stefan Gilmore his resume and everything that it is 17 million or 15 million or whatever for one year? And I think you would. So just do it. Forget the part that he's on your roster, on your contract, and he's playing out a deal and it's a, just pay the man. Well, um, it, but he's very important to your defense. Like your defense could be one of the better ones in the NFL, but if you eliminate him, no longer does your front seven, like your front seven's not as instantly not as good because. The quarterback can just throw up for grabs to the wide receiver, and there there goes your front seven. And I think we've seen over the last couple of weeks what we've seen all that Jalen Mills isn't capable of that job. He's not a starting corner. Now, yeah. Miles Bryant has been at safety and is dinged up. So, Hurt. like, there's an issue. I, I don't even know. I mean, there's Jonathan been an Jones, official thing on him now. Like, yeah. So, I, I, I mean, everybody's said it. Jonathan Jones has been banged up this week. Right. Like, they don't have depth. They don't. Oh, have I talked to somebody actually who who is a follower of the Eagles. He's from Philly. He said Jalen Mills was a cornerback there, and then got moved to safety because he stunk at cornerback. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No so, question. So now, so now he's back at cornerback where he stinks. Like the, the Eagles yeah. already knew that. And I don't blame him. He's no, playing. I kind of think he's been put in a bad spot. Yeah, I still firmly believe he was brought in to be a chess piece and a backup to uh, uh, Devin McCourty if he got old overnight or you needed mm -hmm. a backup safety in that free safety role. Uh, it, yeah, I don't blame him at all. I think he's playing out of position. and But for the Patriots, that, it, that could be the fatal flaw on that defense. And you're already saying, you know, you, I'm talking to you, you are saying the offense may not be very good. The offense lacks receivers, the offense, whatever. Well, now you're going to take away the strength of what should be your strength, your defense, the best player on your defense, the key player. Like that's could be your fatal flaw that takes that defense from being elite to just average or good or you know, barely good enough. And if you take you Stephon Gilmore out of the Patriots, like you're, does, it has to change your win total. You have him at nine. It's probably down to seven, right? I would think. Yes. He's yeah. worth oh, yeah. two, two wins. Because I've said it all along. He is the key to the team. 
He is literally the key to the, everybody's focused on the quarterback. He is the key to this team's success because you're going to win with defense. You're going to run the ball and that's everything else falls into place or falls out of place. If he is not on the field. So what, what do you think? What's your gut tell you happens? He stays on PUP and then gets traded at the trade deadline. Cause Bill will be pissed. Cause I think you're right. I think this is a little bit like Welker when Welker was franchised and they wanted to use it to negotiate and Welker immediately signed it and played for whatever it was $9.8 million mm -hmm. that year. And Bill was pissed. And, it, and remember even Welker's like, they kind of had a tete-a-tete -tete and he made those comments about good to stick it to Bill every once in a while. And all, all, I think that whole history went out of whack when he signed that. I think you're right. I think putting Gilmore on PUP was a, a way to, to negotiate. He won't be fined. He's not holding out. Everybody's happy. Oh, you're going to stay on PUP. You, you didn't just, you're going to use it through the season. I didn't know that was the plot. That just feels weird to me. And I could see Bill getting really mad and then trading him at some point. I would say the next deadline to watch is the, the 31st when the rosters have to become 53. Like, I think at that point, Bill needs to say like stuff, like what's going on here? Like, are you part of this now? Like, are you doing, well, yeah, you said, wait till week eight? Like we yeah, need he has to go on PUP. Once he goes on PUP, he's right. on PUP. Right. So, like, he either has to be activated, put on the active roster, or he's on PUP, and we revisit it mid-year, or now, like I said, now Bill's mad, and at some point he looks to trade him. I don't know how that works exactly. Can you trade a guy on PUP? It's a good question. Really, we're the experts. One of us should probably have the answer well, it's to never it. Really come, it's not really a thing that comes up quite frequently. You don't usually right. trade, trade an injured guy. Because I bet you he'd be physically uh, able and ready to play for another team he if he arrives. Physical, yeah. Yeah, so um, – but, and then the other one I wanted to talk about is a trade guy. So Chase Winovich is back and yes. got about as lukewarm a Bill Belichick uh, return quote as you could ever ask for. Well, and I think the context should be noted because he usually, he usually says that about any player, but the question was when healthy and performing at its best, what is he right, right <laughs> it now? Wasn't, it wasn't like, what have you seen now? Right. And we've seen. Obviously, Matthew Judon is now the, the main dog at that position, but Josh Uche, you have Anthony Jennings, you certainly still have Van Oy with outside abilities mm -hmm. and options. And we know that Winovich, even a year ago, when there weren't nearly as many bodies, was in a weird role and, you know, used, not used, 8% play snaps, 80% play, like up yep. and down. And I still believe he's not a Belichick player. I think that was a, a and people will look at it and say, the guy's had, what five and a half sacks each of the first mm -hmm. two years. Like that's a good young pass rusher. I think Bill looks at him and sees scheme sacks that came from other people doing their jobs, sees him running behind the quarterback, which he hates in the old Chris mm -hmm. Slade mode in the early two thousands. And I just think he sees a guy that maybe better suited for another, like somebody will take him. Well, he, he probably sees his social media and like the way oh, that he, he can't like that. The no, whole, the, the the, and I don't either. That's where I'm with Bill. The brand of freaking Chase Winovich is well beyond the player. But in a league where who's the tatted up guy that thinks all Patriots fans hate him? The oh, Cassius okay. Marsh. Yeah, in Cassius. a league where Cassius Marsh has value, Chase Winovich has value to the right team in that role. I just wonder if it's not the Patriots and if that could be another roster maneuver. What would you get for Chase Winovich? It's a great question. Uh, fifth round pick. Would you do that? Not, I don't know. Would I? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't really. I kind of would too, just because of the 
Like you actually have depth at that spot. And we could get to the Sony Michelle stuff. I don't think you have as much depth at um, running back as at outside linebacker pass rush. So you could afford to lose a guy like Winovich, whereas Michelle, I don't think you could do that. Yeah. And especially with not only the guys that I think are in that role, but with the Vanoy high tower versatility, those are guys that can do, they're not edge players all the time, but they certainly have edge value if you had an injury or yeah. needed it. Um, so yeah, I would trade Winovich. I've never understood the the Sony Michelle trade idea. Yeah. I, I think they have no depth there. I think the depth there is so overrated. Like they, they have depth when everybody's hundred percent and healthy, but when does that ever happen during an NFL season? Plus the depth, James White doesn't run. Brandon Bolin Bolden barely runs. Uh, Ramondre Stevenson has never run in a meaningful game in his life. Like, d- does that get in any, and what is he, a fourth-round pick? Fit like, mid- pick. Like, I know running backs, he could lead the NFL in rushing as a fourth-round mm-hmm. pick, a rookie. Like, that's the way the running back position is. But to me, depth is, you count on it. You know what it is. And I just, I don't think, and, and that's, that's with your scenario being true. Like, even if they're healthy and the top two guys on the depth chart are never healthy almost never healthy together over the last couple of years and both have a number of minor issues they've dealt with. So no, I would not trade Sony Michelle. I think you need, whether you want him or like him or not, I think you need him for this year. Yeah. I mean, let's just say hypothetically you traded Sony Michelle and Damon Harris is your lead back. He goes down in week four. Then all of a sudden Ramondre Stevenson is your lead running back with Brandon Bolden. Like that's not good. No. No, Not that's, ir- that's irresponsible going into a season like that. Ooh, irresponsible. Throwing yeah. it at Bill Belichick, his own word being thrown at him. Irres- it would be irresponsible, I think, to trade Sonny Michelle. I do too, although the there's a part of me that would be like, good riddance. <laughs> like, just go, Sonny Michelle. He's kind of another one of those guys that think that has like the, I'm better than what I like have shown and deserve. That's a good point. If Chase Winovich and Sonny Michelle were as good as they thought they are, the Patriots would have two really good players. Yeah, yeah. Like Michelle is the guy that skipped the whole offseason, and Bill definitely took note of that with his comments at start of training camp with Damon Harris. He's been there all the time. He's competing for a lead back. Like that was we talked about it. That was a shot at Sony Michelle. Oh, no question. There is no that was way more about Sony Michelle than it had anything to do with Damian Harris. Like mm-hmm. it was it was a Harris answer, but it was a Michelle answer way more than that. Um, okay, so let's get into the game. Well, we haven't talked about the quarterback. Good. So let's not. What are we going to talk about? A, neither of us was there, so I can't trust anybody. I do not trust a single thing I read about the quarterbacks all week. Well, I gotta, I gotta, I'm going to pose a question that's nothing to do with anything that happened in Philly. Okay. When does Bill Belichick or – when does Bill Belichick need to commit to a starting quarterback? It's a great question that I tried to research and I couldn't find it. Maybe you can find this after we get off the air. Cause I actually think it would be a good blog for our website. Um, remember when he was very open with his comments about Jimmy Garoppolo and Tom Brady and the suspension year. And it's, we've reached the point where we have to get our starting quarterback ready. And that for now that's Jimmy. And I Googled it. I tried to, and I just couldn't find that press conference, those comments, but I think that that could be useful to compare when yeah. he kind of turned the page. I don't know if it was before the fourth preseason game. I, I don't know. 
And that'll also muddy the water, the fact that there's now three instead of four. But um, uh, Last year, he named Cam Newton the starter 10 days before the opener. But to me, that was – everybody knew that, like, a week in a training camp. Right. So – and we have the weirdness, like, is it physically possible with the two weeks between the final preseason game and the – could he change everything? I mean, could – could we legitimately get through the preseason with Cam as the starter? Every game we see, practice we see, he mm. takes starter reps. And then they go out there for their first practice, I guess, on Tuesday or Wednesday after that final preseason game. And Mac takes the reps. And we don't see it because we're not out there anymore. It's regular. We just take attendance or whatever. It's quite is possible. Is that possible? Like, I think very, it is. Very possible. Because like you said, you have that, that extra week where you can, I'm not going to say change your entire offense, but you can change a lot. Yeah. So I do think that's actually feasible, possible, and, and it, 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 they'd be ready. Like, I don't know that. I'm also thinking about this too. Like, could it also be like a way to keep doing, doing around? Like if Cam knows that he's not the starting quarterback when the 53 man rosters come out and he's, you know, bitching behind the scenes, like, you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. a way to not name a starter keeps Newton invested in around. 100% because you know I believe a lot of this has been done for that very reason, whether it was draft weekend, Cam's our starting quarterback, whether it was start to training camp, uh, start fresh and, and clean slate. I think that was a Cam comment more than it was a Mac Jones comment. And then subsequently, Cam is our starting quarterback. I think I've said that. I think all of that had to even the little, you know, crap sheet on our station the 16th of June mm. reacting saying, oh, you won't see Mac until you know, unless there's an injury, I think all of that has been a manipulation and a calculated attack on the narrative that cam is being replaced, that cam is out. So, and I, and I think you want to keep him engaged. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can force his hand. Maybe if you, if he sees on August, whatever, 18th, that he's not the starter, maybe that makes him say, I want out of here. I have a chance to go. So, but if it's August 31st, if it's September 7th, and he still thinks I'm in the mix. September 4th, then he's looking around, and every other team, maybe a team needed another quarterback and found another one, and then yep. Bill says, look, look, Cam, you got nowhere to go. Like, right. So I do think keeping him engaged is key, has been key, and that could be a way to keep him engaged. But it is interesting, and, and Bill has – he's surprised me with some of these types of things over the years. I know the common thought is – no one will know who the starter is until September 12th when the teams run out of the you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and that's funny. That's a Belichickian thing. But I feel like he could also say next week, you know, leading into next week, his first press conference of the week, you know, we've really, we're at a turning point here. We really need to start preparing for the regular season. Uh, Mac's going to start against the Dolphins and his reps are going to reflect that as such moving forward. You know, I've always believed you can only get one starter ready and, you know, I, I look forward to Cam's work ethic behind the scenes to remain competitive. Like, that wouldn't stun me because he has stunned me so many different times in these right. types of things where you pretend you know what Bill's thinking or what he's going to do. I don't think he'd be that forthcoming, but I think he could make the comment, like, at some point, the, the train for week one's off and rolling, and we can't right. be, you know, going back and forth. We've got to pick one and commit to it. Right. And, I again, I do think the three-game schedule and the two-week window between the last and the, the regular season are two factors here that I just don't know exactly how to weigh them. And well, I'm trying, like, based off what I've seen from Tampa, I don't want to go off of everything that Tampa's doing. Like, their starters played week the first preseason game. It sounds like they're not going to play this week. They also have joint practices with the Titans this week. 
So maybe the Patriots kind of do the same thing where they don't play their starters this week. But they didn't have hellacious, long, like heavy joint practices. Yeah, the second one was only an hour and 20 minutes, right? Right. They went for a freaking field trip to NFL Films. Like, um, they'll be at his Emmy. Yeah. It, well, yeah. It wasn't exactly that Washington Richmond trip I remember from a few years ago that I reference a lot where the, the starters played nonstop and they were like dragging ass when they left the field mm-hmm. and then they ended up not really playing. This wasn't a similar setup. So I'm just thinking that, and even with like the two weeks before the, the regular season, I could see week three of the preseason being like that traditional week three where you get a lot of reps. Yeah, I could too. I definitely could. And this is a team with the competitions going on and some of the weird lineups and personnel, like you might have to, which leads us into the game. You know, I wrote a column this morning. I think Cam has to play more this week. I want him to play more good or bad. I want him to get, cause I don't want to hear, Oh, they treated him like a starter. He only got two series. He only got to throw. Nope. I, I, I would, my preference would be flip the script, start Mac, give him a chance to start. So he gets that unique new feeling and then play cam in that extended Mac role. Well, then I don't think Bill would do that just because of the attention and the media hype and all that stuff. I could just see him starting Cam. Let's have him say he plays the first half. Mac Jones plays the second half. Sorry, Brian, who are you going to sit tonight? Yes, Mac would go with a lot of the twos, but it's still game NFL experience. Like, I don't think that would do any harm. No, I don't think it does any harm, but it it doesn't make it an exact equal playing field like flipping the script would. Um and I also threw in the column, like, could you throw Cam out there, like, just on a whim, like in the middle of a drive? So just see how he reacts to going out there as kind of the backup and see how that plays out with Matt coming off. And then well, you see, yesterday, apparently he, he was upset by something that occurred like that. Yeah, of course he's upset. I mean, I don't know where to go with emotions and Cam and, and how that's going to play out. That's, yeah, that's a the loyalty. And that's a whole different story for a whole different podcast down the road. I mean, we've touched on it a lot and it's ebbed and flowed over with the, with the Instagram and, you know, with the positivity we talked about of, you know, running down the field with Ramondre Stevenson and celebrating touchdowns and seeming like he's Mm. an invested group team player. And then the loyalty Instagram, which he claims had nothing to do with football. I don't really believe him. He's smarter than that. He knows it's going to be at least red as to do with football. We say he was surprised it was even asked. Yeah, I which is like, come on. He's not that dumb. He can play dumb at a press conference, but he's not that dumb. He, I give him credit. He's a smart man. He knows. Yes. He's also street smart. He, mm-hmm. we've, how many times have we heard him like laugh either in a press conference or on Greg Hill's show last year? Like, oh, come on, man. I can't answer. Like, he knows if he answers, right. it blows up. He gets talked to. Like, so he's aware of all that. But um, yeah, I just want to see Cam play. I would, whether he falls on his face, I would also say if he is starting, we'll get him starter reps, get him ready, prepare him. Like, cause we know in camp, a lot of this has happened where he gets significantly less or fewer reps than Jones over those days where it was like a two to one ratio. Right. Well, if he is going to start, let's just pretend you're treating him as the starter. He's legitimately the starter. And give him all the starter reps. Don't mix Mac Jones in with right. the ones. Get him right. ready you're almost sending him out there to fail like you did with uh, Brady way back when, and then decided, Nope, I can't get two guys ready. Tom is our quarterback for the foreseeable future. Well, if cam is your quarterback for the foreseeable future, which if he's the starter at the very least, that's week one against the dolphins, 
then give Cam what he needs to get ready. Prepare Cam like he's the starter. I'm going to do that. I'm going to try to find that Garoppolo quote because that's – it's not a perfect comparison because, like you said before, the the only three preseason games. But I think the date could be some indication. And even the quotes about having to get a starter ready, having to prepare a guy for the role, I think is also relevant. Because even if they're both around, even if it's, oh, packages for Cam, two starters, two whatever, somebody's going to have to play and somebody needs to be prepared like they're the the primary, the the lead guy. And so I think that would be interesting. A couple of the other things I want, I'm guessing we're going to wrap up soon because it feels like it's kind of gone. I'll be posting a blog, you know, pregame about players I want to keep an eye on. And there's a couple. Harry, we've kind of talked about. I don't know. He just needs to freaking do something and look good and look right. I mean, I don't want to oversimplify it, but (laughs) he needs to do something, not in a one-on-one drill. Correct. And I think, Actually, all the guys to watch, this is nice because they're easy to watch because the TV cameras follow them. For me, our offensive players, and it'll be Nelson Aguilar because he didn't play in the first one. If he even plays. Well, that's a good point. Hopefully he plays. But Nelson Aguilar, what can he do? Does he create the separation that everybody said was lacking from the first game? Zoe was That was his big takeaway on the broadcast. Scott Zolak was no separation with the receivers. And then Devin Asiasi, who suddenly, I mean, his rookie year was kind of a debacle that never really got any traction and everybody assumes now he's buried behind Henry and Smith and he very, very well may be when the season comes, but right now he's the guy. So you have an opportunity to make some plays and maybe if you make some big plays here, maybe that injects you into the offense, even when those guys come back, because maybe they go, wait a minute, you know, three tight end sets. We usually think of like all three tight ends, blocking down, running, whatever. Maybe they just say, well, you know what? If we put our five best pass catchers on the field, he's one maybe of them. Devin Asiasi is one of them. And we figure out, you know, Josh McDaniels, we get creative here in three tight end sets that are passing formations that aren't old school mm-hmm. blocking formations. So I think Devin Asiasi is an interesting guy to keep an eye on. Uh, I want to see Juwan Williams. Like he only played with the whatever late in the fourth quarter, a lot of second half reps, but had an interception like, does he does his role change a little bit? Does he play more at the starters? How is he viewed? Because I, I know Bill had the quote like we don't care about who plays with who. Well, I do. Like I, we, we've watched the team long enough to know. Like if you're out there in the fourth quarter and the first preseason game, you're you probably have a slim chance of making the roster. Like that's just how it goes. So uh, I want to see I, where he's playing. But I also think he's a guy that his roster spot could also. Now this isn't perfect because sometimes Bill just says you're not good enough. Whether I don't have depth or not, you're not good enough. And he'll cut guys, just say, you're not good enough, move on, find somebody, whatever. But I also think his roster spot could be tied in a little bit to Gilmore if he's not on the sure. roster. That's one. Good. And then Miles Bryant, his health status, his versatility, sure. however they view him. So those two guys. Um, but, yeah, Joan Williams is certainly uh, a, a guy to keep an eye on in defense. Anthony Jennings, too. Like Anthony Jennings, good. yes. Uh, well, Quint Jordan. Well, here's something with Jennings. Sure, he could be a list guy. Guy ends up on a list. Yep. Like I've just he he's been out there, hasn't been out there for a while. Like you could just I don't know. He's a guy you just slide onto a list. You're out for the year. Yeah, like especially well, or not even just put him on IR and then you revisit yeah. it. Like I, I don't right. know exactly what his situation is. It's a little curious, I guess I would say. Um, yeah, but. Quinn Nordeen. Like he, what do you? Are you more in the? Are you? geared towards he could make this team now 
Um, because for a while I was like, well, Nick Folk's the veteran, like he's consistent, he's around. But now this isn't like a what two week plus injury for Nick Folk, right? Which to me adds IR for Nick Folk as a possibility. And I think either way, both kickers are going to be on the Patriots quote unquote roster, a list or roster. So, yeah, that's a good point because you know, he's brought it up like Quinn Nardine's probably a hard guy to slide through waivers. Yeah, you don't have to. You make him your kicker for the first couple of weeks. You right. put um, Nick Folk oh. on IR, yep. he can return. Yep. And if if Nordine is the real deal, if he's, you know, starts the year 10 for 10 or something. Right. Just roll with him. You wish Nick Folk well in his future endeavors. Right. Yeah. That, that's a good, good point by you. Just revolve, reverse the roles. Yep. Reverse the role. And the you know, it could fall apart. He could miss three PATs this week and you go, okay, hey, Nick, you better get healthy. We got a game that really matters in a couple of weeks. Right. So, and you, yeah. you would figure too, the, you need your kicker most middle to late in the year so you can maybe get away with subpar kicking early in the year. Yeah, it's not ideal, but you no, can work your but, way through it. Right. Yes. Uh, any other parting thoughts? Um, no, I'm looking forward to watching the game after, you know, the confusion of following joint practices from afar. You know, I listened to the PU guys a little bit. I read different things. Then I even heard, Paul Perillo, my old pal, whose eyes I kind of trust somewhat. Well, it sounded um, like they were, just from my perspective, they were too busy. They were a lot focused on their show, so their blog observations weren't as in-depth as usual. Yeah, that's that's very common. That is certainly true. It's it's hard to do both. Um, and then they were shorter practice, the second one, right. so that's harder, whatever. But he even, like, he was, again, talking about the biases in coverage and how people see certain receivers or certain quarterbacks and how that affects maybe what they blog about. Like he was, he was joking, I think about the Lacoste injury about like talk of hospital balls and mm-hmm. nobody called it a hospital ball, but it easily could have been called. It was a ball that was badly thrown and led to the contact that led to, I think a head injury for mm-hmm. Lacoste and, you know, Mac Jones may not, it may not have been phrased the same way by some people if Mac Jones had thrown it versus, and this has been a common thing over the years with quarterbacks. Like there was a while there where, people were ripping Peyton Manning in Denver. I think Tom Curran was like, oh, look at all the hospital balls he throws. And then you watch a ball that Brady throws, and it's like, well, are you going to call that a hospital ball? Because it is. I mean, How many hospital balls did he throw to Julian Edelman? Right. So everybody throws hospital balls. We only call it hospital balls if we don't really like the quarterback who threw it or we're, like, trying to downgrade the quarterback. So I'll be looking forward to getting back to my eyeballs, seeing action of Cam Newton, Mac Jones, and all the other guys we just talked about. And then we have – uh, the Giants next week, joint practices in the game too. So we got more stuff that we can actually see, which I think enhances what we say and what we want to say instead of just and going we need off. It. Yeah. And we need it because quite frankly, this team does not have a lot that's known to fall back on. Like we've done in past, oh, the defense will be fine. Oh, Brady will be fine. Gronk will be fine. Edelman will be fine. No, there's a lot of uncertainty with this team between new faces older players, holes in the lineup, quarterback, that every bit of information we get, joint practices, preseason games, as we stack it, mm-hmm. is valuable and helps create, I think, a more informed opinion. But there's still going to be a lot of questions heading towards September. All right. We'll have a uh, immediate post-game podcast. So when you wake up Friday morning, there'll be a podcast ready to go, either wherever you get your podcast, iTunes, websites. They'll be, they'll be there ready to go. Nice, quick 20 minutes of recaps of the game. So we get you covered. I'm glad you made that promise so that if anything goes wrong, it's your head that's on the line. (laughs)
nothing will go wrong. It seems pretty basic. We're not at the game. We can just bang one out right afterwards. Bang one out. Yeah. Breakfast with Ryan and Andy. That's that's right. All right. Just don't uh, call it um what is it that uh Jerry Thornton gets all pissy pants oh, about? Knee it. Jerk reactions. Yeah, don't call it knee jerk. Let's just call it jerk reactions to the Patriots games. Let's do that. Jerk reactions to the, the Patriots second preseason game with Ryan Hannibal and Andy Hart. Sounds good to me. All right. Well, uh, we'll talk to you Thursday night, Friday morning. Peace out. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.